0: Thank you for listening in today to our Friday broadcast of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love, Senior Pastor of Calvary Castle Rock. Today, we'll continue our study in the book of 1 Samuel. So let's join Pastor Dave now. Soon your trials will be over.
1: In Deuteronomy 13, it, it, it is a chapter that talks about how you punish the apostates. If a dreamer or a prophet comes up and says this or that, um, even if it comes to pass, if it's against what my word says, you, you need to get rid of him, you need to kill him, okay? And then we get to this one area in verse 12, and it says, if you hear someone in one of your cities, which the Lord your God gives you to dwell in, corrupt men have gone out from among you and enticed the inhabitants of their city, saying, let us go and serve other gods which you have not known and then you shall inquire search out ask diligently and if it is in need true and certain that such an abomination was committed among you you shall surely strike the inhabitants of that city with the edge of the sword utterly destroying it all that is in it its livestock with the edge of the sword and you shall gather all its plunder in the middle of the street and completely burn it with fire, the city and all its plunder. For the Lord your God, it shall be a heap forever. It shall not be built again. So none of the accursed things shall remain in your hand that the Lord may turn from the fierceness of his anger and show you mercy, have compassion on you, and multiply just as he swore to your fathers. Because you have listened to the voice of the Lord your God to keep all his commandments, which I command you today to do what is right in the eyes of of the Lord your God, so as you begin to dwell on the land, he says, if you hear about this city that is within your land, that's within the borders that I've given you, and you hear that they are now going after other gods, and you investigate it, and indeed you go there, and there's high places, and people are worshiping that. You need to gather all the elders together. You need to come against that city. You need to kill everyone there. You need to burn everything, and that that would remain an ash heap forever. As a testimony to everyone, we're not, not going to tolerate this. You know why? Because they have sinned against God. So what is it that Saul does here? He kills all the priests, and he ca- kills all the inhabitants there in the city of Nob. And so what is it that Saul is doing here is that he is setting himself up as God and saying, you have sinned against me, so everybody dies. Whereas God was saying, you sin against me, and this way everybody should die. He is now taking the place of God here. And because they were unfaithful to him, he has everybody killed. Going back here to 1 Samuel 22. Verse 20 says, Now one of his sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, or Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. And and Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the Lord's priest. So David said to Abiathar, I knew that day when Dog the Edomite was there, that he would surely tell Saul, I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. Now, I want you to go to Psalm 52. This is one of a couple psalms that was written during this time. Psalm 57 was also written during this time. Psalm 52. The understanding here is that David is speaking of Dog the Edomite here. When he says in verse 1, Why do you boast in evil, O mighty man? The goodness of God endures continually. Your tongue devises destruction. Like a sharp razor working deceitfully, you love evil more than good, lying rather than speaking righteousness. You love all devouring words, you deceitful tongue. Dog the Edomite is of Edom. All you have to do is read the the book of Obadiah, and uh, one of the things that uh, that God um, accuses Edom of doing is that when Israel was going through difficult times, they were on the sidelines, kind of praising it, you know. And then when it became time to be able to raid it, because of what uh, what the Assyrians were able to do and the Babylonians were able to do. Uh, the Edomites joined them and, and went into the city and raided the city and, and uh, uh, were thankful that this had happened to Israel and things like that. And so if you read the book of Obadiah, it, it says this is the reason why you're being judged. And so Dog the Edomite is more than happy to kill the priests of God. And, uh, and he lied because Ahimelech did not inquire of the Lord for David. And he has a very deceitful tongue. And so in verse 5 it says, God will likewise destroy you forever. He shall take you away and pluck you out of your dwelling place, uproot you from the land of the living. The righteous also shall see and fear and shall laugh at him, saying, here is the man who did not make God his strength, but trust in the abundance of his riches and the strength in himself and his wickedness. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I will praise you forever because you have done it and in the presence of your saints i wait on your name for it is good and god does indeed pluck edom out of the land once and for all a total judgment not just because of dog obviously but he represents the way that edom has always been towards israel and they've had a very um a uh, lot of animosity there and uh, when israel was first coming through the land edom said no you can't come through the land and so at that time, God said, don't do anything to eat them because they are from Esau and they're still your brother. So, so we see that here um, in Psalm 52. And then, then David says this to Abiathar. He says, stay with me. Do not fear for he who seeks my life seeks yours life. But with me, you shall be safe. Now as we look at not just this chapter, but a lot in this chapter, but when we look at the last few chapters and what is going on as a whole here, there's a spiritual significance that I think is very, very interesting. At this point in our story, we see, uh, we see Saul, who is king, but he has been rejected by God because of his disobedience. And then we see another king, an anointed king, who is in exile here, waiting on God to tell him when he is to begin his kingdom, okay? Now, it's interesting to me that Jesus said in John 12, 30 through 31, as well in John 14, 30, and John 16, 11, he tells us that Satan is the ruler of this world. The word ruler there means prince, Okay, In the King James, it says that he is the prince of this world in all those verses. And so Jesus tells us that Satan is the prince of this world. Right now, this world is under the prince, Satan. Today, as we speak. Jesus comes down, anointed by God, to be what? King. King of kings and Lord of lords. We are told in God's word, that Jesus is going to have a kingdom here on earth, a physical kingdom here on earth. But he doesn't have it right now. Right now, he rules in the hearts of men to those who have submitted to him. But his physical kingdom isn't here on earth yet. Just like in David's day, there's a king in exile. Just like David, there's a king in exile right now, Jesus. Who is gathering around him a company of people who are distressed, in debt, and discontented? He's training them, he's preparing them for the day when he's gonna come down and reign. I just, the typology there is, is very, very interesting to me. So, the important question is if you understand the spiritual significance of our day, Here's the question, whose kingdom are you living in? To which king are you giving your allegiance before whose authority are you bowing? Which master are you following? Notice the men who come to David, their distress. You know, they, they found things tight and need to come to David. It was out of this distressed state that drove them to David. Whatever the reason, whether being distressed or in debt or being disconnected, these men went from the authority of one kingdom to another kingdom to seek refuge, a doolim at the side of David. Someone who is satisfied with Saul's kingdom isn't going to seek another kingdom. It's the same today, who is ever satisfied with the kingdom of this world will not come to the kingdom to come. This was the road by the wayside that we talked about, you know, in the parable of the sower. That the wayside is so hard with the busyness of activity, of feet going back and forth, that the things of God, the words of God, are not going to penetrate that. Why? Because things are so good to these people now They're so satisfied with this kingdom that they don't even contemplate the kingdom to come. Those who are satisfied with Saul's kingdom aren't being driven to David's kingdom. They're just not. And it's the same thing today. Those who are satisfied with Satan's kingdom here, whether they recognize it as that or not, those who are satisfied with this world, this kingdom here, are not being driven to To the kingdom to come. Because things are that good here. In Revelation chapter 3, I find this interesting. In Revelation chapter 3, the church of Laodicea in verse 14. Jesus is outside and it says in verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. The, the reason he's outside is because of verse 17. Because you say I'm rich and I have become wealthy and I need of nothing. You're so satisfied with what's going on, you, you don't have a need for Jesus. I'm so satisfied with my present state, I don't need Jesus I'm so satisfied with the kingdom of Saul because I'm a Benjamite. He's given me the best of the best. I have the best fields and vineyards and I'm captain of thousands. I have authority and I don't long for David's reign. And it's the same thing today. Those who don't want Jesus' kingdom, those who do not want to submit to the person of Jesus Christ, you know why? It's because they like their present state. And they bought into this kingdom that is temporary. And so, so they, don't, they don't get driven to David. They don't get driven to David. There were some who were in debt who fled to David. These bankrupt and wretched people who found a way to escape from every liability that was under the current rule of king who God had rejected you see, so long as you remain in the enemy's camp with rejected ruler, there are always going to be those ten commandments that are going to scream at you that you have violated God's law and thus condemned by God's law. The laws is enforced with the words of Jesus when he says in John 3.18, He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Heaven's justice and righteousness must be recognized and maintained. Apart from grace, you find yourself bankrupt, in debt, insolvent, desperately in debt, and helpless to meet God's judgment. Therefore, your only hope is to flee to the wounded side of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by his life kept God's law perfectly and his death paid the price of our debt of rebellion. In Romans 8, 3, and 4, it says, For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. He has paid our debt. And so, we see those that who are distressed. We see those in debt. We see those who recognize the situation that they're in and it drives them to David or if today it drives us to the Lord Jesus Christ. That we're in a debt that we can never repay, that we have broken the law And, and there's nothing we can do to make that up. But there's somebody who has paid that for us and I want to be a part of that kingdom. Not this kingdom that's going to burn. And there are also men who are bitter and angry and discontent, restless. And it should come to the place that we become bitter about this life. That we see that this life does not satisfy. That we look at the philosophies of this world and we really understand, like Jeremiah said, it's a broken cistern. It's one of my favorite verses so when we go to Israel I like to point this out we're going to see cisterns. You're going to see water that is gathered in the cisterns. It's dank. It's 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 not fresh water at all. But this is the best that man can do. Man cannot produce fresh water. He can only capture some rainwater and a little runoff and and put it in this huge area to kind of conserve which really it's best for crops and things like that and animals, but you're willing to drink that because that's your own efforts of trying to make this happen. Jeremiah says this, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountains of living water, and they've hewn themselves cisterns. And he doesn't just say cisterns, he says broken ones. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. And when you look at fresh water and then you look at this cistern that has a little bit of just junk on the top of it and it's just cold it's just stale and, and, and sometimes it, there's there's an odor to it and it's kind of like why would i want to drink this when you've given me fountains of living water and that's the great thing of we see these cisterns then we go out to Engedi and we see this fresh water and we just see how clear it is and you're going, oh my goodness. Why would you want to drink anything else but fresh water? And that's what God says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters." And he uses that visual. Look at living water. Look at cistern water. If you had a choice, what would you drink? Oh, the living water. Then why are you drinking out of this? And that cistern, that dank water, represents the philosophies of this world. That will never satisfy. And yet Jesus sits there on the last day of the great day of the feast in John 7.37. And he cries out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living waters. I am not satisfied with the philosophies of this world, the wisdom of this world. I am satisfied in the person, the person of Jesus Christ. He is my hope. He is the king I want to serve. I do not want to serve or bow at the altar of mammon or Baal in this world. When it comes to riches and the glory that this world has to offer, I want none of it. I want what the Lord has to offer. And these are the types of men who came to David, distressed, bankrupt, dissatisfied. And these are still the same people who come to the Lord Jesus Christ. When they recognize that this world does not satisfy. When they recognize, I'm in debt up to my eyeballs of what God is required of me. And when you recognize the fact that you're being squeezed so tight by the pressures of this world, hopefully these are the things that drive you to the other camp, that drive you to the other kingdom. Satan is the one who's the prince and ruler of this world, And has deceived this world to follow him, to take sides against God. And I'm here to tell you, and I would like to submit to you, that not only did those who believed in David also follow up with action by not only believing that he's truly the anointed one, but then they went out to him. And it says he became their what? Captain. The word captain there means sar, it means general, it means headship is what that means. We know according to God's word that Christ is our head. Ephesians 4:15 but speaking the truth in love may grow up all things unto him who is the head Christ. Colossians 1:18 and he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he may have preeminence. He is our head. And he bowed down to their authority. And so these men come to David and he bows down to their authority. In John chapter 9, we have a story of a blind man whose eyes Jesus opened and when he was under interrogation and investigation and because of the fact that under duress, he he dared to acknowledge Jesus as the one who healed him. Verse 25 of John 9, he says, and he answered, he said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. And so, Those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior are going to yield themselves to his leadership. And guess what they're going to do? They're going to stand by him. And they're going to make it known to everybody that they're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody who left Saul's camp to go over to David's, everybody who left Saul's kingdom to go back to go to David's, they could not return to Saul's kingdom. They made a choice once and for all. And they knew by leaving that everybody's going to notice they're gone. They're going to know where they went. And they're going to know who they've aligned themselves up with. Our king is David. And you know what? By your actions, people should know that your king is the Lord Jesus Christ. That you left that camp a long time ago. I left that camp, that kingdom that offers me nothing but temporary riches that can offer me what gold? You know, you know how <laughs> you know how readily available gold is going to be in God's kingdom. The streets are paved with gold. You know, we we run after riches and things that is like sand in God's kingdom. You know, and so Satan, you know, dangles these carrots in front of us, and the, and they're temporary, and they will never ever satisfy. Never satisfy. And yet we run after them. And it just causes more stress. I mean, there's been study after study of those who win the lotto. They commit suicide. Their life is a living hell. Because that's never going to satisfy. It's never going to satisfy. David's father, uh, followers looked forward to the day that David would rule. And they would rule alongside of him. But in the meantime, what is it they, they do with David? They suffer with him. They suffer with him. There's a day coming when Christ himself in a sense, is an exile, is going to be crowned Lord of all, and and those who follow him now will be abundantly rewarded when we enter into the joy of the Lord. Until then, we suffer with him. In Romans eight sixteen, it says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together with him. And so when I look at this chapter and as we go forward, as we look back and things like that, you, you see this typology about David being in exile Well, the Lord Jesus Christ is right now. We see that those who are choosing to follow David are choosing to suffer with him. And, and, and yet we as believers in Jesus Christ, we have just been told there that if we're going to suffer with him, that we might be glorified with him. That we too are being called to suffer because he suffered but we have a vision of a kingdom to come. I'm willing to do this now because I've aligned myself up with the person of Jesus Christ who is going to rule here someday. And we're told in First Peter that we are going to be this new special people, this holy nation, priests and kings. In Revelation 5, it says we are going to rule with him. And so I live my life out now, now knowing that that is to come much like the followers of David are doing right now. They believe he is the true king. And the question is for you tonight, do you believe that Jesus is the true king? And if you do, it will be seen by your actions. And everybody should be able to see whose kingdom you belong to and whose camp have you encamped. Amen.
0: Let nothing ever separate That wraps up this Friday edition of Abiding in the Word with Pastor Dave Love. Join us again on Monday as we continue our study in 1 Samuel. If you live in the area of Castle Rock and are looking for a church to call home, be sure to come by and visit with us. We meet Saturdays at 5 p.m. and our Sunday service times are at 9 and 11 a.m. A combined junior and senior high class meets at 5 p.m. on Saturday evenings, on Sunday mornings, high school meets during the 9 a.m. service and the junior high meets at the 11 a.m. service. Our Young Adults Ministry, Arise, meets every Friday at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Castle Rock. Childcare is offered for all of our weekend services. Calvary Castle Rock is located right off of I-25 and East Wolfensburger Road, directly behind Jack in the Box and the Shell gas station. For more information about us or this radio ministry, Please visit our website at calvarycr.com or download our free mobile app from the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also call the church office at 303 663 2514. Thank you again for joining us today. Until our next time together, we want to encourage you to always be abiding in the Word of God.